0: What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to episode 14 of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Glenn Naughton. Had a bit of a technical issue, so slight delayed start here, but we're here. We're both here. We're, we can hear each other well. So the Jets, unfortunately, uh, fall to the Minnesota Vikings, 27 to 22. Um, I don't want to say that this is a game that slipped away from them, much like the two Patriots losses this season, but it was a disappointing loss for many reasons, um, to get down first and goal, two minutes remaining, down five points with three timeouts. I mean, the drop by Barrios on fourth down. I understand it was an improvised route according to Mike White, but it's just it's so unfortunate that they weren't able to complete the comeback. They were down, I believe, twenty to three at one point. So, all in all, it was a disappointing loss. But I think the the messaging coming out of this game is way more positive than in past losses, especially this season. And I think that's the most important thing. So, Glenn, what are your thoughts, knowing that? the road to the playoffs for the New York Jets is just a bit tougher now at seven and five in the seventh seed in the AFC playoff picture.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm tempted to say, you know, after that game, I was like, that's the, the playoffs are gone. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you got to kind of put it out of your head now. Um, so much has to go right. So many good teams um, fighting for one spot, you know, and it, I'm, I'm trying to put it out of my head you know, of course, mathematically it's still possible. Things could still break their way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's, it's a matter of, I think for me, the thing is, I don't see them beating Buffalo twice. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I guess that's the way I should say it. I, I don't feel like the Vikings game knocked them out of the playoffs. But I just thought to myself, you're not beating the Bills twice. And that's what's going to knock you out of the playoffs. Um, and listen, uh, I, I always say, man, those those first couple of days after a loss, I'm, 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 I catastrophize everything. Um, but I really, I just, you know, you hear it all the time. And it's so true in the league if you're a good team, it's, it's hard. Even if you are a good team, it's hard to beat another good team twice. Um, if they lose to the bills this Sunday, that that'll almost put the the nail on the coffin. But you know, the good, the, the, the couple of good things they have going for them is that, um, the chargers aren't really lighting the world on fire. That's one of the teams they're competing with. The Raiders are heating up a little bit, but it's, you know, how much faith do you have in Josh McDaniel? Um, you know, for them to keep that going, maybe they do, maybe they don't, I don't know, but, um, you know there were obviously some big losses by you know by teams who they're competing with after the Jets loss, so you felt a little bit better about that. But I think one of your one of the key points you made is the the fact that it was a loss, but it wasn't like these, these other the Patriots losses where you just granted they they were a dud in the red zone, no denying that. But in you know like in those Pats losses, or at least a, that second loss to the Pats, um, and a lot of their losses this year, they just couldn't move the ball like. It just you just felt like it was going to take a miracle to get into the red zone, let alone score a touchdown. So some imperfections, of course, you know the Mike White throw uh, could have been better, but still a catchable ball for Barrios. I know a lot. Of, I mean, you can tell you can tell who who's you know behind Mike White and who's not by the fans who are saying that was an impossible catch. It was that would have been the most right. you know degree of difficulty was ten. That would have been the most difficult catch in NFL history. You know, there's there's somebody somebody sent me a picture of like the still shot of where Mike White should have put the ball versus where he did put the ball. But like they cut off the part where you can see the linebacker on the other side of the play, like to make the window look bigger. Because, you know, if he Mm leaves him too much, the linebacker on the other side can make a play on it. So the window was a little. So people like making excuses for the drop, putting everything on Mike White's. It's funny. Like I see these people like they were absolutely fine. With Zach Wilson launching the ball to the fifth row on a screen pass. That was totally acceptable. But Mike yeah. White misses on a touchdown by a foot. And it's like, oh, I told you this guy sucked. Like, what, are, what are we talking about? You- yeah, exactly.
0: And, and I said this to you offline in our group chat on Twitter. And... I know that this is exactly how it's going to sound if you just pull a clip of us going back a couple weeks ago when the Jets were winning with Zach Wilson and he was throwing for 110, 125. And yeah. we said we'd rather one 110 in a win than 350 in a loss. And right. after what we saw from Mike White, who ended the game 31 of 57, 369, two interceptions that came on the first and last drive of the game and the rushing touchdown from one yard out. I I'm cool with Mike White throwing for 360 in those types of games if that's the type of loss we're gonna have. I mean, and I know well, it does he, sound a little he, hypocritical, I but I just
1: well, I'm sorry. Oh, well, sorry, I was I was just saying he keeps you competitive and you, he keeps you in the game and he's making plays
0: exactly. And and I know we we both said that we didn't really get to watch the full all 22 this week, but that that second half almost comeback by Mike White was pretty pretty special. Obviously, the first half, really <clears> excuse me, he had a couple throws that we a bit high, a bit behind the target. And I think that led to the interception. I know um, you posted it as well. So, so many others have that, that Corey Davis was almost a, a basically a DPI on the first interception and Cleet Blakeman oh, sure, sure. just missed it. And I even put in my pregame um, article, Cleet Blakeman, a whole post about him and how much DPI he calls. And he just to not call it on the first drive of the game. Like I understand, you don't want to throw the flags early and set the tone like that, but it was pretty blatant even on the TV copy that it was defensive pass interference. So yep. for Mike white to throw a pick, a deflected pick on the first drive. And then he even explained it on the last uh, interception on the final drive of the game. He just doesn't want to end the game with the ball in his hand. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. I, and I respect that. So to Absolutely. look at the box score and say, oh, 360 and a loss, it, it doesn't tell the full story. And I think Mike white had plenty of good throws and, and we'll get into his long-term outlook on the team. But for this game in general, I think he did plenty enough for us to say, okay, for the at least re- remainder of 2022 season, whether it's playoffs or not, Mike yep. White is the guy barring injury. Yep. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, 100%. You know, and we say it all the time. You, you know, you can't look at a box score to get a feel for how a game went yep. because you can even put it the other way. And some of these wins were Zach throwing for you know 180, 190, um, you know, he, he throws a swing pass to to Brees Hall that he takes seventy yards, mm-hmm. and uh and it, it beefs up his his passing numbers and really, you know, it's and, and it really I guess the the one to, to Brees wasn't wasn't even a swing it was it was a little bit more downfield but it was about a ten yard pass fifteen yard yeah. pass, um where Brees does all the work he makes five guys miss and he's breaking tackles in, inside the red zone so, it, the as you said you you've got to see the game and see how things unfold, um. You know, we've seen games where a quarterback will make one or two good throws um, and they're good enough that the box score looks nice. But if you see the game, you're like, well, actually, you know, those are the only two good throws the guy made all day. And, you know, a couple couple 50, 60 yarders and then the box score looks pretty. But in reality, the guy didn't play well, uh, you know, as a whole. And that's, you know, and this is the thing with with the we're we're seeing it. You know, as I said before, the same thing with, with Mike White, where anything, any imperfection. It's like the guy gets blown up by the the fans who are more in, interested in Zach Wilson than they are in the Jets they want to kill Mike White for missing a throw um but he's making enough of them that the, the offense is moving the ball and they're scoring points um the red zone stuff I think was uh, was catastrophic um and sorry I've, I've gone off on a, on a separate tangent um but yeah it's just it, it's frustrating to see this team play especially on the road against this this Vikings team it's uh you know they, they've got the record they have and you know you'd love to win a, a road game against an opponent of this you know this quality and uh just didn't happen unfortunately but I don't put it on Mike White I think that uh he like I said he, he could be better but I think the 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 you know with you saying he's the guy for this year I agree 100 percent um and I, I don't know if you were going to bring this up we didn't talk a lot pre-show this week so I don't know mm-hmm. if you gonna bring this up but I was just going to mention you know I think that and I think we I think uh we may have discussed this in a in a brief chat. Um the the whole the thing with the with the t-shirts before the game. Um yeah. with the, with the Jets players wearing Mike F and White t-shirts getting off the bus. Uh, that's one thing. It's it's another thing to have the team's official Twitter account send it out. Yeah, like people are like, oh, so what? They're supporting their quarterback. No, there's supporting your quarterback, and then there is like doing it in a way to humiliate the other quarterback and that's mm-hmm. i mean you can't i don't know who would have to be running your social media account to not realize how that looks the optic on that um I believe i even heard who was it was it Steve young on on michael k or so i think that's where it was and they asked Steve young like how do how do you take you know is do you take that as a dig at Zach Wilson by the jets mm-hmm um, and I'm paraphrasing, but Steve Young was like, well, how else could you take it? Right. Um, and, and th- 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 you know, and again, like I said, people are saying, oh, he's supporting his teammates. Mm-hmm. Take whatever it is, whoever you are listening, whatever it is you do for a living. Like, imagine your job hires another guy that does the same job you do. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, this week uh, you're going to do a little less and he's going to step in and do your job. And yep. then, like, the next week, every one of your coworkers shows up wearing a shirt with that dude's name on it saying like how awesome he is mm-hmm. wouldn't you be like uh what the hell is going on here like th- th- it's clearly a move like hey guys where'd you get those shirts oh the boss gave them to us like oh that, that's nice all right that's fantastic yeah he put up a billboard mm-hmm. on i-95 too to you know <laughs> tell all of our customers how awesome the new guy is would you be like okay yeah they're just supporting him that's nothing to do with me you'd be like oh my yeah. god i'm on my way out." so to my yeah. point like I, we uh, we said last week is Zach wilson done as a jet and I think we both said no, but this makes me wonder, man, like they're like, they're, that's a big thing. I mean, as, as, like today's environment, everything is so, is so, everything's so controlled. Everything is planned. Oh, yeah. Like, interviews and responses. You know, you listen to the players talk after the Zach comments. That's all scripted answers. It's all scripted. Yes, mm-hmm. sometimes guys do go off script a little bit. Sure. Um, But, which, you know, that's another thing. You know, Garrett Wilson. Last time Zach Wilson plays, oh, we got to get this all fixed. Now this week, what do you think of Mike White? I'll go to war with that guy. He's a yeah. dog. Yeah, I love him. it's amazing. Uh, that's a pretty strong contrast from we got to get this fixed to I'll go to war with this guy. The player, without saying we don't want Zach back in the huddle, the players are saying we don't want Zach back in the huddle
0: yeah absolutely and to your first original point of they're just supporting their quarterback that's that's all well and good when maybe one player wears a t-shirt like when cj uzama wore the time player right. uh, man of the year for zach wilson like that's right. supporting your teammate you know laughing right. about it like one person doing it when seven eight nine teammates or the whole offense or whatever is wearing the mike f and white shirt and he's wearing tyler conklin's t-shirt like it just proves like on even to the outside world, they're showing us that they have a better chemistry with Mike White in that locker room. And they're like you said, ready to go to war for him to go from this shit is sorry to I'm ready to go to war within a matter of two, three weeks. Like good for Garrett Wilson for getting like his, you know, flowers because he's breaking out and he's absolutely absolutely deserving of it. But it's just crazy how quickly the, the whole, locker room feel has changed about it and I didn't want to make this so much of a Zach Wilson versus Mike White thing but when the whole season is on the line for both quarterbacks and only one is really deserving of the job it's really hard to say that the other guy who's now in street clothes for the past three weeks can do much to breach back into this locker room and break this chemistry mold that they have established and I even said it to you like even if he implodes against Buffalo I still feel like there's a 99.9 percent chance he should start against Detroit, and and I I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but I'm I'm pretty Absolutely. sure that's how most fans should feel after watching this past game and coming away with I came away with so many positives out of this loss that it felt like almost unusual for me to be this positive. And you said it that yes, losing to Minnesota makes it a lot like tougher, especially if you lose to Buffalo, because you felt like with these adjusted expectations, winning one of these games was a must to get into the playoffs. And it's possible to do it with a loss to Buffalo this week. Obviously I feel like you'd have to win three, if not the remainder remaining four of your games. But I just, I I look at this game and I come away with too many positives from Mike White. Um, A couple of the throws, obviously the deflected interception, there was the second uh, deflected almost interception, which was really a uh, Tyler Conklin drop. And I wanted to highlight Corey Davis on that one real quick because he blasted the defender and he, the defender just lost the ball. He almost picked it off the second time and Corey Davis shut that down, but it was a decent throw from Mike White. It was a little high, like we talked about, but Mike White had another huge throw to CJ Uzama on the the corner route that went for about 23, 25 yards. And these are just things that you don't see with Zach Wilson. So it's like, even to the eye test, any anybody should say Mike, Mike White is the guy. And you, you talked about it with the red zone um, efficiency, one for six in the red zone. I don't fully blame Mike White. Obviously, you, so. you can say he touches the ball every play. He went six of 17 for 24 yards in a pick or whatever his terrible stats were for the day. But that is also because of the the play calling. And I'm not one to, you know, really get on Mike LaFleur a ton. But I felt like this game, when they got inside the 20, they really struggled. And obviously, one for six shows it. And even the touchdown that they did score, they seven guys had to push Mike White across the line. Yeah. So they barely got through. So obviously, it, it can't all fall on Mike White. What were your thoughts about Mike LaFleur, especially when they got into the red zone and Do you think that this is something that maybe Mike LaFleur had plays more schemed up for Zach and now he's adjusting on the fly to Mike white in the red zone, or what do you think the reason for the, the red zone mishaps were?
1: Well, I, I hate to say, and I was, I was going to bring up this topic and the red zone is part of the reason. So it's, you know, tie it in with the red zone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's a lack of confidence um, from Mike LaFleur in that interior offensive line. Okay. Um, I mean, the tackles too, it's, it's not as if, uh, I mean, he, he ran it up the middle more than I would have liked, but I feel like on the goal line, when you want to punch it in, you generally want to go up the middle. Um, and I, I look at, you know, I look at a guy like Laken and Tomlinson and I feel like, no, he's not as bad as he was in week one when he was horrendous, mm-hmm. but he's not been a guy that's played up to the hype or the contract. And I, I feel like if he is like, when you pay a guy that much money. And you have that many trips inside the red zone, that many plays from the one, one or two of them you run behind him, and they, they wouldn't run it, like they wouldn't even try. Um, but they did get too cute. I think the play I liked the least was the end around to Berrios. That like yeah. the, these long developing plays, um, I wasn't a huge fan of. I didn't I didn't love going. See, I mean, a lot of people are killing them for going empty backfield, which I get. I don't love that either. Mm-hmm. But um, but the the chance to score was still there. You know, if everybody executes. Right. So. It's kind of a, well, we can get mad that, you know, if, if people do their jobs, the play works. But I, I think the that was the biggest, I don't know what point it was, but at, at some point I'm watching that game and I'm thinking, they're just scared to run it up the middle. They just won't, you know, yep. they, they tried the sneaks, of course, but you, you didn't see. And, and w- even when they did run it up the middle with the sneak, Mike White got stuffed and had to take a step back and take another route into the end zone. Yep. So it just kind of went to show that even when they did go up the middle, it didn't really work out. And I think that is why this team is, you know, as well as they're doing and as banged up as they've been at tackle. Um, you know, it's it's a topic for the offseason. But I, I just wonder now, um, is Lakin Tomlinson back next year? Because to to cut him after June first, it's only like a four million dollar hit and they save it's, a chunk. It's workable, yep. Yeah, they save like eight or nine million and they they take a four million hit. So I don't know that he'll be back at his current price. Um, and it's a shame because, you know, one of the like locker room guy, high character guy, you want to you want to see him do well. Mm-hmm. But I think he's been a big disappointment. And, um, you know, of course, the tackle situation now is a complete it. Just when you think it can't get any crazier, it does. Um, mm-hmm. So but but that was those are my thoughts on red zone. The, the the number one thing is I'm not sure Michael Floyd believes in this interior line. Um, and I, I can't 100 percent fault him for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did get a little too cute. I lo- I would have liked to have seen. Some red zone targets like these are situations where I look at like, can you not can you not have a a few plays that where Jeremy Ruckert gets involved? Like, right. Look, like, look, dude, we're just going to have you. We've got four red zone plays. We're going to install that. You're going to be a part of, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I don't know why, you know, I don't know if there was a particular player set of plays that, that made me a fan. But ever since I was a kid, like I'm a big fan of like red zone like play action, hit the tight end, like around the goal line. Mm-hmm. All those dudes, play action, hopefully bring some linebackers in and then hit the 6'5", the 6'6", six, six, six receiver, you know, wherever, you know, however you draw it up. But I, I love the tight end targets off the play action in the red zone. Didn't see any of that. Um, didn't see the tight ends at all, really, um, on that sequence um, mm-hmm. that, I, that I can recall. I may be mistaken. But that was – I remember at some point thinking they're afraid to run up the middle. And why don't you have a few plays drawn up for Rucker to get involved here? Even if it's as a blocker, like they don't have a true fullback. He yep. might be the best fullback on the roster. But I'm like, you could use a fullback right now. And if Rucker's your guy, fine. Um, I'm having flashbacks to when Rex handed the ball off to Sheldon Richardson for a touchdown inside the red zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it created. Moving forward with power. Because um, they don't have that on the roster. I mean, Bam is the closest thing to it. But um, just not not a great job overall by Lafleur. And uh, the per- the the personnel packages I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with, and I'd like to see Ruckert or any of the tight ends get involved in that spot.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really fair point that you brought up because I didn't even think of it that way of him not trusting the interior offensive line. And I'll take it even a step further that. With Michael Carter out, outside of maybe Bam Knight, I don't know if he trusted any of his running backs either. I think James Robinson is somewhat in this doghouse Mm -hmm. of a committee now. He's kind of being relegated to the third RB on the roster, and I think he took nine snaps in the in the game total. So we have two carries, I think. Exactly. So he's getting far out snapped by Bam Knight, and Bam Knight is definitely a quality back and we'll definitely talk about him but yeah to not give your your running backs a chance from inside the five yard line at multiple chances like at least on first or second down just run the ball I know it's cliche oh everybody knows you're gonna run the ball now but just do it just be the bigger team just you know strength on strength your offensive line should push back a little bit get some yards and and, and as you were talking, I literally wrote down ruck fullback because even if he d- isn't in the passing game in the red zone, he's absolutely motion him into the backfield or out of the backfield and do whatever. And, and even the spread looks in the, the red zone, I'm cool with that. I'm okay with the spread looks if you start with the running back in the backfield and motion him out. That way you get your man zone indicator out of the way. You understand more of what the defense is trying to give you. Don't come out in that spread look and just kind of guess on the fly. And I feel like that's kind of where some, some issues might've like been created, but all in all, yeah, I think it was a, a big, you know, too cute game for Michael LaFleur. And it might be one of his worst red zone games that it, since he's been on the team. And they, yeah. even so like they were fine. They, they moved the ball outside the twenties, fine 370 yards passing. They had four hundred and. 86 total yards to the Vikings 287 so the game plan was fine I just like you said he got a little too cute in the red zone and it's it's a it's a knock on Michael Fleur but it's not like this is something we've consistently pointed to and said oh he's got a problem in the red zone maybe Zach Wilson had an issue in the red zone and the offense sputtered but it seems like Mike White can produce so all in all I'm not too too stressed about Michael Fleur Um, another guy I did want to highlight obviously we got to talk about Garrett Wilson. Um, he's pretty much the best wide receiver, maybe outside of. I don't even. I'm trying to compare him to a former Jets wide receiver that's like given us this much excitement so early on, and I really can't do it. It's so no. hard to to pinpoint. Like I'm, I'm young, so uh, it's really you know, hard for me.
1: There have been guys, you know, you know, I I go back as far as Keyshawn, who this team is um, sure. Or who Garrett Wilson is is chasing now in terms of the team receiving uh, record, and you know for a rookie, mm-hmm. and it looks like he will break that. Oh yeah, but, but Keyshawn, you know the thing I always said about Keyshawn, um, and you know he, Keyshawn had a, had a had a little bit of an ego on him. Um, he thought he was, you know, he thought he was like Randy Moss and Jerry Rice rolled into one, and that's before Randy Moss was even in the league. But um, well Keyshawn Keyshawn was a a a big bodied guy, like tall guy good possession guy like the thing I loved about Keyshawn like you cannot question his toughness mm-hmm. you would see that dude take some shot one particular player I remember years ago against the Pats like just over the middle and took a shot not to the back but like to the ribs like and back when guys hit hit, um and I, it, I it, he just got blasted in the ribs and he held on and that was like the first play where you saw like this guy is no joke um but Keyshawn was not a run after the catch guy Keyshawn was like he mm-hmm. was going to make the catch and that's as far as he was going I think all of his touchdowns one year, if I'm not mistaken, um, or it it seemed like 90% of his touchdowns were like sort of red zone or like he was already in the end zone. And Mm -hmm. I I felt like the thing he was great at was contested balls. Like if if you threw a ball up and there were four or five, like a Hail Hail Mary type, like Keyshawn would probably come down with it. He had these long arms and uh, and he had great hands. So Keyshawn was a threat in that way. But Keyshawn was not going to catch the ball and take it 70 yards. Um, I think I saw him make a play like that once in his career, and it was a member of the Bucs. Remember, I said I lived in Tampa. watched a ton of Bucks football, um, you know, while the Jets weren't on. And I watched Keyshawn particularly because that was when was just, the Jets had just traded him to the Bucs. And, like, they were, I think they were playing the Lions, and the Lions corner, like, fell on his face while the ball was in the air. And I remember watching it and thinking, oh, that's, that's probably the longest play in Keyshawn's career. Like, he made the catch. The DB fell down, and Keyshawn took it, like, 60 yards. But Garrett Wilson is just on another level. Like the quickness, that in and out of his breaks, the way he's able to shake defenders, and you know he's got DBs falling over trying to cover him, and then his ability after, you know, the, the stop and go, you know, plant the foot, stop his momentum, start, you know, the, the stop and start ability, he's he's incredible. You know, I, I just I haven't watched as we said we haven't seen the All 22, the one thing, and I I hate to nitpick for a guy who had such a great day, but on the on the big catch and run the 70 yard or whatever it was. Uh, from the live angle, it looked like Denzel Mims had an all right block on the defender to the outside. Mm -hmm. And if, if Garrett Wilson would have stayed to the inside, he would have a shot at the end zone, but he kind of voluntarily went out and around and went behind the guy and sort of made the, made the the sideline an extra defender. And I felt like he cheated himself out of some yards that he, that he had a more direct route to the end zone. But again, amazing day. And I think, uh, you know, he's going to, I, I think he's going to win Rookie of the Year if he keeps do If he keeps playing the way, I think it's a shame. I think if Mike White had been playing all year, I think he'd be run away with Rookie of the Year already. But because he had Zach Wilson for six weeks, he's now got a lot of catching up to do.
0: Yeah, and you even put out the the tweet about. Garrett Wilson's stats, if you extrapolated it over a full season with Mike White or even Joe Flacco yeah. at, the, at quarterback versus Zach Wilson, then it's truly night and day, and he would be runaway. And right now, I think.
1: In the yard, yeah.
0: Exactly. And I haven't looked at the updated odds for Rookie of the Year, but we talked about it on the very first episode of Jet Nation Live when we did our our like predictions, bold predictions for the show, and we yep. both said offensive and defensive Rookie of the Year were on this team. And so far, I mean, ESPN came out with a, yeah rookie rankings um yesterday morning or this morning and sauce was number one chris olave was number two and garrett wilson was number three so by all intents and purposes if the saints you know struggle down the stretch and garrett wilson and mike white continue to hit it off absolutely the jets are looking at like i I know sauce at this point it's almost like a no contest for defensive rookie of the year he's in minus odds and Everybody else is in plus, so it's not really a competition there. Offensive Rookie of the Year is still up to, uh, up for grabs, but Garrett Wilson is certainly deserving, and I have a couple stats here. Four of the last five games with 90-plus yards, he only had one such game the entire rest of the season, and that was in Week 2 against the Browns. The so. Exactly. With Joe Flacco. So he's absolutely booming recently. Um, you, you talked about it that big yak play and there were the downfield blocks by Mims and Davis both. And yes, you, you said, I feel like he did cheat himself a little bit. He didn't even think he stepped out of bounds. So he thought he had scored on the play originally, yeah. which is really unfortunate for him and Obviously, they weren't able to score on that drive. I don't think. I think they settled for one of their field goals after yes. that, or, or so. maybe it was the Mike White scramble. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not I haven't fully rewatched as you can tell. Um, and I don't even think that that was Garrett's best play. I think his best play from a route running perspective was the overthrow on the deep double move that he beat Pat Pete on. Yes. Oh my gosh. I that can't wait beautiful. to clip that out on the all 22 because Pat Pete looks stunned, like similarly to that first play against Buffalo with sauce and how his foot kind of just got put in the ground and he just stuck and he didn't know what to do. And yep. Garrett Wilson just blew right by him. Unfortunately it was, you know, a, yeah, a couple like, yards too far. There. And to, to think that Garrett Wilson probably could have ended the day with 200 something yards is just ridiculous. And he won the Pepsi zero sugar rookie of the week, you know, nine times out of 13 for the jets now at this point, but to think that it could have been even more is just crazy for Garrett Wilson. So um, he's already third most rookie receiving yards as well. I'm, I'm not sure who the other one is, but I know Chris Alave is ahead of him. I'm not sure who the other one is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's absolutely deserving. Um, I wanted to talk about Corey Davis a little bit. He had an up and down game. Um, he had the holding on the first play that blew out the, the BAM big run on the first play. He also had a false start. Uh, but then he did have some big first down receptions over the middle, and like I talked about, the interception that he negated by just absolutely smashing the defender. I believe it was Cam Bynum, your 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 guy Cam Bynum, that that almost came away with the pick, and he just crushed him. So Corey Davis had a yeah, bit of he an. He one up-
1: to interfere too with Davis early in the game. Yeah, exactly. Funny. So that- they were
0: they were kind of going at each other all game there. And then the last guy I wanted to talk about, and and he's also part of the other you know the hidden gems that this team has s- uncovered this season. And that's Donovan Knight. I mean, to do what this guy has done over the first two games of his career after being a practice squad guy, a healthy scratch for the first three or four weeks that he was called up to the 53. Now, I mean, they gave him the start, and I don't see any reason. I mean, even with Michael Carter back, he's at minimum a 1B in this system to Michael Carter. and. I, I didn't write down his full stats here, but I mean he just every run just seemed like just he was the way he runs. even getting so, so much yards, yards past- and then putting his head down to create yep. contact to just force more yards. So yep. what were your thoughts on Bab Knight's big day as I, I pull up his stats here?
1: I mean, listen, I think we all you know, we all want Jets players to do well, but when you know, when there's guys that we sort of project pre-draft as as possible Jets players or targets. Um, you know, I, Bam Knight was one of those guys that I tweeted out and said, you know, this is a guy the Jets should consider on day three because, you know, I thought they would take a back. I thought they would. And I thought he'd be a day three pick. Um, obviously, he didn't go at all. But, you know, love this style in, in college. I love that he's uh, again, one of those guys that does a lot of things. Well, really good hands out of the backfield. We haven't even really seen that here um, up to this mm-hmm. point. But he, he did a really good job uh, at NC State catching the ball. Does, as we said, you know he can run inside, he can run outside. I like his ability to cut back and accelerate, and you know hit his top speed quickly. Um, I think did Robert Sala say he like he was clocked in the four threes on that run on the big run? His biggest one. He run did of mention
0: day? something about his speed. Yeah, yeah. So
1: he's. I mean, if if that's the case, he's a lot. You know, even though I I like the idea of of bringing him in, um, I didn't think he was that fast of a guy. Um, and I even said, and I think I mentioned this, you know, a few weeks ago when people were saying. Don't trade for Robinson, give Bam Knight a chance. I was like, well, you know, look, even as a guy who I watched a lot of and as a guy I wanted them to draft, I thought Robinson is the proven thousand yard back. And if the Jets are making this trade, they don't feel like he's ready. So Bam, so Bam Knight isn't James Robinson yet. Like, right. Because I'm, you know, kind of relying on what the Jets are telling us, which is we've got Bam, we've seen Bam, and we're still giving up a pick to bring somebody else in. So it's like, all right, well, that's, they must see more there. But I think it was obvious. I mean, right away, his first couple carries in his first game, you're like, oh, he's he does have some juice, and he is he is sort of ready now, mm-hmm. and he is, and it's great. It's an, another another rookie on this team who's contributing in a big way, and and as Robert Sala said, that you know that's sort of one of the reasons I've always been a fan of of multiple backs in the backfield. He's like bringing a guy on at this point, like he's got fresh legs, and it's late yeah. in the year, so you know a guy who can run that well and who doesn't have the wear and tear of a full season on him. He's uh, I think he's going to have a nice little stretch here and and he he deserves it. And I think, you know, Robert Sala said he's not going anywhere. Um, and I think, you know, even if he even if he was playing on par with Michael, I think right now, I think he's a better back than Michael Carter. Um, but even if they were on par, I'd say he's just he's the more physical guy who's able to take more of a beating. And for that reason alone, he would get the bulk of the carries. Um, but as it stands, he's just clearly the better back. And that's not a knock on Michael Carter. Um, You know, we're both big fans of his as well. I think he's Carter's right. a you know great, great character guy, very good player. And again, catches it, you know, can run it, catch it. So it's it's exciting to see another rookie emerge out of this class. I mean, how nice would it be to see him win a one of those belts, you know, in the next few weeks? Oh yeah,
0: and and I think it's it's certainly possible. I mean, obviously Michael Carter is coming back from mm-hmm. injury, but you said it right there. I think ever since Brees Hall went down with injury, they've kind of tried to do just like a co- big committee thing. And now I think with the combination of Bam Knight and Michael Carter, you kind of have someone who can do more of the Brees role with Bam. Obviously he is not Brees Hall. He's not 6'1", 6'2", two, no. six six two, 225 or whatever Brees Hall's measurables are. But as far as getting to the getting to the hole, putting his foot in the ground, going, accelerating and running and taking off on home run plays, Bam Knight is the closest thing to Brees Hall. So, yeah, I would love it if he still gets the bulk of the carries while Michael Carter is that change of pace back. Um, While you were talking there, I was able to pull up his stats. He had 15 carries for 90 yards, including that 48-yard run um, down the left sideline. He had five targets, five catches for 28 yards. So everything he was thrown was caught. And he had a total of 118 yards followed up by 103 last week. So that's a total of 221 yards in his first two career games for him. So, yeah, I think if you keep stacking these games like this and get in the end zone a couple of times, that that Pepsi Zero Sugar Bell is certainly going to come around Bam Knight's waist. And um, he talked to the media yesterday or this uh, today or something. I don't know. I, I listened to it on my way home from work. And he said that um, he really didn't um, – make the decision himself after being undrafted in the draft um this past season he basically let his agent handle it his agent is very experienced and he trusted his agent fully and he said i'm going to let you pick where i go essentially and he said the the jets have a good scheme for you it, it might not be you know the the depth order that you want to be but right you'll get this is the scheme you want to be in and he trusted oh, him and, and i think that every, exactly the skill set match so i think It's just kind of the stars aligning, and like you said, when James Robinson was traded for, anybody could have said, oh, well, Bam Knight, Bam Knight, but nobody knew what Bam Knight was going to be until he actually showed it on the field, so it's very easy to say now that he's done well, oh, we didn't didn't need James Robinson, but maybe we still do, and down the stretch, having all four running backs healthy is really going to help the Jets. I mentioned it, New York Niners. That's kind of they they need to be a running back by committee at this point because that just adds another layer down the stretch of fresh legs and their defense is going to be tired and your offense is going to be fresh and it's just going to make it that much easier to run out clock games when they want to just run the ball in the third and fourth quarter. So Bam Knight is somebody I'm certainly intrigued about. I think him Michael Carter and Brees Hall should give you a lot to be um, excited for in 2023 and as far as the run game obviously you get AVT back and the, these guys just could tear it up and you, it doesn't really matter who's under center because you could just hand the ball off 80 percent of the plays as long as it's working and you could have success with these three guys so I'm really excited was there anybody else that you
1: wanted to to highlight on the offense side of the ball before we kind of turn to defense no, I mean my biggest takeaways were, you know, obviously like we said, Garrett had a had a huge day. Mm-hmm. Um Bam is, is gonna keep getting carries and, and I would have I mean the, the 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 what was it 31 yarder to the Osama? I think it was thirty one, may have been somewhere in that range. The over- yeah, Joel, something like would, that. Yep. Yeah, that was a really nice grab. Um so I again I would like to see the tight ends involved more. And uh, and you know not, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but let's let's get Ruckert involved. That would be my my biggest complaint is that you know I think at, at this point in the season, you know it's not like he played at you know a Division three school, and he's right. You know, I played at Ohio State, he played big boy football. Um, you know, have have a handful of plays that he can get on the field and, and try to make a play.
0: Yeah, and when your draft class is already proven so many hits i mean 6 of your 7 guys have made an impact this season what's what's the harm of trying that seventh guy because even if he isn't that great you still have two guys ahead of him that you can just fill right back in with but yeah give this guy an opportunity because i think he would surprise both in the pass and run game like mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier all right flipping over to the defense um i wanted to give a quick welcome back to Sheldon Rankin's he missed the last two games with a dislocated elbow He made his presence felt on the very first play. I went back and started watching the TV copy. I'm about halfway through the second quarter, and on the very first defensive snap – Sheldon Rankins, um, excuse me, walked back Ed Ingram right into Kirk Cousins' Mm -hmm. lap, forced an incomplete pass. Obviously it's not a sack or it's not a, it's not a hit. It's not, you know, it's just a pressure, but like we said, it's the quality of the pressure that when you actually go back and look at it, it says it's just a pressure, but it dictated the entire play and they were in second and 10 second and long from that point on. I believe they ended with a three and out kick the field goal. So uh, I just want to give a, a good, um, welcome back to Sheldon Rankins. um, other than that, I think the run defense was very leaky. Um, Dalvin Cook had a ton of big runs, 21 yards. He had a couple of seven to nine yard runs that were just kind of gashing the Jets. Him and uh, Alexander Madison had the two rushing touchdowns on the day. Um, they ended with three total touchdowns on the on the defense. Um, obviously, Justin Jefferson. They couldn't keep him out of the end zone in this one, although they did hold him to, I believe, three catches for 45 yards or something very minimal. He did have the touchdown on DJ Reed. It was a really nice hesitation corner route. DJ Reed stuttered with him and then just couldn't accelerate to get to the corner with him, but. Was there anybody, uh, Jordan Whitehead, he had a couple big hits on jo- uh, Justin Jefferson, one that got flagged that I thought was complete bullshit. I mean, he led with his shoulder. And he, yeah, we had yeah, we rubbish. had guys on the Buffalo Bills even coming out saying, like, what are we supposed to play flag football at this right. point? So right. it's it's just silly, you know, it, but that's Cleet Blakeman, and I'm not going to, you know, blame the refs. The Jets need to not put themselves in those situations. But Cleet right. Blakeman is, we've talked about it off air, Cleet Blakeman is not a good referee in the NFL, but – Quinnan had a sack, uh, a big tackle for loss. Carl had a, um, a half sack. Um, any what were your what were your thoughts as a whole on the defense and anything that stuck out to you, good or bad?
1: Um, I thought Quincy Williams was fantastic. I thought he had a really yeah. nice game for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's kind of solid. You know, we we talk a lot about how this team needs to address linebacker in the draft, but. I think uh, I think he eases that a little. I think if anything, you look middle linebacker because of you know C.J. Mosley getting a little bit long in the tooth, mm-hmm. um, and I, I could still see an early pick being used there. I thought Michael Carter played himself a really good game. A uh, Huge run stop by Quan Alexander um, deep in the the Vikings' zone end red zone when the, or mm-hmm. deep in their own territory when they were trying to when when they were trying to run out the clock and the Jets were trying to get the ball back he came you know flying in off the edge and stuffed the back at the goal line or at the line of scrimmage rather, and um, I thought. I hate, you know, I'm not a huge fan of using early picks at the safety position, but LaMarcus Joyner, man, like he's, I mean, they could be worse back there, but he's not very good. Um, You know, he's not exactly, uh, they've had worse back there in recent years. Um, He at least makes the occasional play, but um, really he just, he had a really tough time. And um, I know he got smoked on at least one big play in coverage and just didn't, didn't have a good day in coverage. Didn't have a good day tackling, So he just kind of, to me, highlighted a little bit um, that when we do, when we are talking draft, like I'm, I know I'm going to start watching a lot more safeties than I have been. I've been watching a lot of O-line, a lot of linebackers, a lot of receivers. Um, But I think safety is where the Jets need to be, uh, you know, focused in those first three rounds of the draft.
0: Yeah, and one, not to get too far off topic, but one safety you did talk about, JL Skinner did get accepted to the Senior Bowl, so that's somebody I'm very excited to uh, dig into. But yeah, I agree. Well, Marcus Joyner has kind of been the the red flag of the defensive secondary. Um, obviously, he's played every snap or just about every snap this season, which is a complete turnaround from the ACL or Achilles injury he suffered last year. But he is definitely a liability when it comes to tackling. Um, I, I think he also takes a couple bad angles in the run game. Um, you see him just come downhill too quickly, and then all of a sudden he's beat to the outside. So it's kind of the the problem we we had with Ashton Davis back there at safety. He just took bad angles in the run game. But Lamarcus Joiner with the bad tackling on top of it, it's it's very bad. I don't have his his full stats right here in front of me, but. It seems like almost every week when I'm filling out like my box score on my computer, it just there's a missed tackle on the Marcus Joyner's tab almost every single week. And when you don't make any tackles in the game, but you have missed tackles, yeah. that's not good. So and I, I, I'm sorry, so go ahead. No, so yeah, safety is definitely a position that even maybe play a little bit more. Will Parks, I'm not sure. I know that they like to use him in uh three safety sets um so will parks is somebody that could also get some more snaps on the the defensive side of the ball i I think but i have it here with marcus Joyner this season four one one two that's eight eight missed tackles and that's not including anything from last week so right that's not good from the safety position when you're the last line of defense so i agree safety is definitely a concern but on the positive side quincy williams i mean Wow, that was a very good game from him. And yeah, uh, I just, I love this. And this kind of speaks to the offensive chemistry too. Every time Quincy Williams makes a play and he does that signature, you know, like fist up in the air, like Superman right. type thing, all the teammates do it too. Like yeah. they just, they love it. They crowd around him and they just do it too. Sauce was 15 yards away doing it one game. Yeah. And he got it a tackle for fired losses. Up. I love that they do that around him, and, and it obviously helps that he and Quinnen are brothers. So it just makes it that much cooler. But for them to both be, you know, hitting their stride down the stretch, I think yeah, Quin- Quincy um, and Quinnen should definitely get a a big payday from the Jets here. Um,
1: yeah, I, uh, I think another an, another negative I'm, I meant to touch up. We've talked about it in, in previous mm-hmm. weeks. But um, the as good as this D line has been, like they they've got to upgrade that interior D line, you know, oh, on, yeah. on the second level or on the, the the second group, because uh, you know Solomon Thomas again another really high character guy, but him and Nathan Shepard just they were getting gashed up the middle. That was a big part of when that the damage Dalvin Cook was doing, and uh, Nathan Shepard's weird. Like I, I feel like in recent weeks I've seen him look a little better at times, like, mm-hmm. um, but just not consistently enough, you know, for being picked where he was and and for for the number of snaps he gets i feel like um dt is an area where they could they could go early on especially depending on rankin's situation um you know with him being on the second year of his deal um i see one of the comments on the on, you know saying center qb and safety i think center and safety are a given i think um i think qb is something they pursue in free agency and if they mm-hmm. take one of the draft it's going to be in the middle you know the middle rounds um some of the guys we i'd, I'd love to see where jake hayner goes i like you know i like jake hayner um, and he's another guy. He's got his senior bowl. I think he was one of the, I think our week one players to watch. I think Hainer was the quarterback. Yeah,
0: you talked about him super early on.
1: Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, it was last year that I that I saw him that I thought he looked really good. So he's, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I think I think safety or I think center. I think McGovern is. I think the interior gets upgraded. I wouldn't rule out center, but I think it's a little further down the list. I think guard. I think guard is is a bigger priority at the moment.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to you know sit up here and absolutely just kill a player because he really isn't you know he's not a complete liability, but he does look pretty bad and and you said it high character guy Solomon Thomas he's actually the Walter Payton Man of the Year yeah. candidate for the Jets so the rest to still, him yeah absolutely yeah everything he does for the foundation is huge Um, but yeah I just I think what with like you said Rankin's going out or um, his contract expiring um Nathan Shepard Solomon Thomas even Quentin Williams until he gets paid I mean he's only here for one more year so you he do have right, No absolutely not he's absolutely not here. maybe even 25 million a year at this point so Solomon Thomas could definitely be upgraded um I don't have any D tackle names off the top of my head but I know DJ Dale from the um from Alabama got his senior bowl invite and he was somebody that I didn't really watch in the preseason, but every time, you know, you're watching like a Will Anderson, anybody on that defense, Henry Totoa, and he's just kind of making plays right there in the middle. I think he has a weird number, two, Like Christian Barmore wore something in the 40s at Alabama. I have a feeling he's in like the weird 40s number, two. Like it's just something about him sticks out to me. So it's going to be fun, actually, with Alabama players in the senior bowl because normally they're they're not so. Uh, having DJ Dale and I think three other Alabama players getting um, senior bowl invites, it's going to be totally fun to watch. So yeah, I, I know it
1: doesn't get as much hype, but there's some good names coming across for the East-West Shrine Bowl. Yes, um, yep. In terms of DTs, another guy I mentioned, Nesta Jade Silvera out of Arizona State, mm-hmm. he's going. To the, he's going there. Zay Flowers, the receiver I mentioned last week, is going yeah. there. yep. I'm excited um, about him. But there were there were there were a few names I saw come across my feed that I thought they're they're getting sort of a higher quality player than they have in years past. Or, you know, maybe I just haven't followed it as closely in years past. But um they're, they're getting some good names trickling in there uh with the Shrine Bowl. So I think, I think that's going to be worth keeping an eye on as well. Again, the Senior Bowl is the big one, mm-hmm. the high profile, but you still get some good players out of the uh, Shrine Bowl.
0: Yeah, I think year over year at this point, these all-star games are just going to become more and more prevalent. And mm-hmm. the big name guys are even going to start going. And even the top quarterbacks eventually to these events, even if it is just for – the sake of meeting with the teams and the the teams that show up to these events and not doing anything on the field, but just the interview process. Like I believe Hendon Hooker has a pending senior bowl invite. So for him to go, even with his torn ACL, just speak to teams and get a feel for how they think about him in the draft. And I just think it's all going to be so important and year over year, it's going to get so much better. Um, Before we do move on, I do want to talk about special teams because finally, I thank the Lord after all these years the Jets have a kicker they have yes, a special teams that is competent um Greg the leg he hit four field five field goals in this game uh, yep. including a 60-yarder, which is a franchise record. Right. Um, he had the 57-yarder in the wind against Chicago which I or which in the rain, which I still think is slightly more impressive, 60 that in a dome. Is way more impressive. So 60 in a dome is, you know, whatever at this point. But yeah. for him to get the franchise record, and, I mean, he's four yards shy of the NFL record that's held mm-hmm. by a, a couple kickers at this point, um, mm-hmm. just kudos to him. And if this guy does not make the Pro Bowl or the All-Pro, like if he doesn't get any honors, I think this
1: is rigged. It's um, so, Justin yeah.
0: Tucker I think this is the year that's the
1: thing though Tucker I, don't, I haven't looked at Tucker's name but I
0: haven't either but or his, yeah.
1: his numbers but these are you know things like pro Bowl, all Pro. that's why sometimes it takes guys will you'll have a guy who deserves it a few years that he doesn't make it and then on the back end he'll make it when he doesn't deserve it because yep. it becomes a reputation thing yeah like oh well, we gotta put this guy and he's so-and-so like they don't in even the last
0: five yep
1: yeah it's, it's this guy you know I remember I, the first time I saw that probably as a young fan was like uh the last couple that Lawrence taylor made and people were like ah, is he still lt is he still playing at that level and it's like yeah but he's Lawrence taylor you can't not put him in yeah so you know it's like you miss something you deserve and you make something you don't um but i think you know all the talk with sauce maybe he goes but i think that um yeah i think i think Zerline man he's got he's got he's to get a shot and i think you know if i'm the jets the way he's kicking the ball right now you know you just mentioned the all-time record at some point before the season is over, I'm giving him a shot at like a sixty-eight yarder just to say, hey man, you know, let's yep. let's see if you can get – because both those kicks he made would have been good from seventy. Like I oh, mean, yeah. they would they would boom through. So if I'm the Jets, I'm gonna go go ahead, give it a shot and see if you can put your name in the record books.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially in like a fourth quarter situation, even End if, if I you have, have- yeah. I don't care if there's sportsmanship involved. Like, just go for the record. Why not? I mean, your name yeah, is Greg the
1: Game is no longer in doubt. Something like that. Exactly. Well, your name
0: is Greg the Leg. You got to at least hey, try it's, for it's the a record.
1: It's 73-yarder. Go ahead. What's, it's it's unfortunate
0: that this was their only dome game of the season because I feel like if they had one more down the stretch, they mm-hmm. he would definitely have that chance. But p- perhaps in the playoffs, I'm not sure. Are there any playoff teams in the AFC right now that have a dome? I don't think so. So so it might yeah. not happen. Even if the Jets do make the playoffs it might not happen, but nonetheless, Greg the Leg way deserving, especially, you know, from what we've had historically since Jason Myers and Nick Folk at the kicker position to to get Greg the Leg on a free agency is just an absolute steal. So kudos to Joe Douglas on that one. Um we can transition into the Bills. I see a lot of comments here about the uh the draft and what a lot of people want to do. So we can kind of um you know breeze through the bills preview i mean I, i'm not sure what else to say i know we talked about it slightly um off air but yeah. i understand that they won the game the first time 20 to 17 in their home they disrupted josh allen they got him to throw two mis uh uncharacteristic interceptions i should say but josh allen you know he is josh allen and the the bill's offense is going to do what they're going to do at the end of the day um, does that mean the Jets are going to get blown out? No, absolutely not. Does it mean that they should be favorited to win? No. And I think that the books have them at like eight and a half point underdogs, which is a bit much. I think eight it and a half is nine and
1: a half, but I haven't seen it. Is it, it so nine far. and a half? Wow. So well, it opened at nine and a half. Oh, okay. I don't think oh. it was at all.
0: Okay. Well, I, I mean, I would ad, have advocated to take them at nine and a half or eight and a half. So I think it's, it's way too big of a spread, even though Buffalo is home, um, they did lose Von Miller for the season. They thought that they put him on IR for four games and they thought it was um, a smaller knee injury. Turns out during the exploratory surgery that it was a torn ACL, so he's on the shelf for the year. And if Jets fans do remember back to week nine, he did make the impact strip sack on Zach Wilson coming out of the 20 minute Skycam timeout. And uh, that kind of dictated a little bit of the second half until the Jets obviously won the game. But it looked very bleak at that moment when Vaughn Miller strip sack mm-hmm. Zach Wilson and the Bills got mm-hmm. the ball in that first meeting. So I would hope that they don't keep it as close. Maybe Mike White can give them a better shot to pull away if the defense is playing lights out like they were the first time. But we, we can just jump right to it. Was there any, you know, matchups or notes outside of, you know, Stefan Diggs and Sauce Gardner that you wanted to highlight for this matchup and and just give a quick prediction?
1: Well, look, I just <clears throat> I think, um even with Vaughn Miller out, I think Buffalo has some guys up front who can cause some problems. yeah, um, Carlos Basham uh, is a guy that i I loved coming out of college. I tweeted out a bunch about him as a guy. I hope the Jets would take um AJ Epineza – Probably I, I wasn't probably as high in Epineza as I, as I was Carlos Basham, but those two guys, I don't think they get enough uh, enough love for for what they do, and i I, I just I worry with these. I don't know how how many weeks you can expect this Jets tackle situation to hold up. Of course, now Max Mitchell done for the year. Yes. Um, Robert Sala initially initially didn't say, but now Connor Hughes today said uh, they found blood clots and um, sure. yeah, they discovered blood clots. Which uh, who's there was a kid out of Troy, the offensive lineman the Jets picked up. Patriots drafted him, cut him. Jets picked him up. He took a season off. Like the Pats drafted him, and then he had a full year off um, because of blood clots, and I think they reemerged or. Um, it could have been poor play. I don't know. He was, But he was out of the league shortly. So <clears throat> that is the case with Max Mitchell. So hopefully they get that cleared up. It is treatable, but it, it can also be recurring. So now you're without Mitchell again. Um, <clears throat> and the tackle situation is just unbelievable. I mean, kudos to Joe Douglas. I mean, could you Seriously. imagine, you know, a few years ago, the Jets starting tackles weren't as good as their current sixth and seventh tackles. Like, could you imagine if they lost seven tackles five or six years ago when it was Kelvin Beecham and Brandon Shell starting? And Ijelana. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you thought it was bad when you were down to your third tackle back then. So, it's just nuts. You know, you lost AVT. You lost everybody. You know, the last men standing are Dwayne Brown and now George Fant is back. Who's to say he stays healthy? Um, Mike Remmers, um, who I don't think has played a snap yet, has he? No. Um, He's been the on the active roster for like
0: six weeks though.
1: Right. Um, he's been on the roster, but he hasn't played, but now he's the swing. So um, that's what worries me is this matchup against these tackles. There is no, you know, at least last week, <clears throat> excuse me, at least when, when Mitchell started, it was like, well, if there's a hiccup or if he struggles, you can go to Fant. Now mm-hmm. there is no, well, you can go to, you know, it's like, Oh, damn, now, yeah. now you have to go to Remmers if someone gets hurt. Um, Look at the free agent list. It's, uh, Eric Fisher's been out there for a while. I was curious why the Jets hadn't brought him in sooner. Um, and the Dolphins signed him, you know, two or three days ago to uh, <clears throat> because they had what Armstead got hurt for them at tackle. Yes. Yep. So now, they, now they go out and they get Fisher. Darrell Williams is an interesting guy, a former Bill. Like, he's mm-hmm. still young enough. He's got a ton of starting experience, and nobody's calling him. Like, again, he's one – and I'm not saying he's a bad dude. I'm just saying when I see guys that young – who sit, uh, sit home that long waiting for the phone to ring, I'm like, something's up. Maybe it could be work ethic. I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. But a player who is as good as he is with the experience he has, who's played at the level he has, should not be sitting at home on the couch. But he right. is. And the Jets haven't. Nobody's called him. So a little bit puzzling there. But th- that's my biggest concern going into this game is the Jets tackles matching up against the Bills D-line.
0: Yeah, it's always interesting to see those names floating out there in free agency and just the wondering about why. I mean, even with a polarizing guy like Odell Beckham, I mean, we all know he was injured, but it's like, oh, he's about to sign with the team, but now the Cowboys are a little suspicious that he might not even play this season. So like, there's always some weird things going on with these guys once they sit home for a little bit. So. Yeah, that was, that was definitely interesting. And yeah, Mike Remmers as the swing tackle makes me very nervous. Obviously if anything happens to Dwayne Brown or George Fant, that's what we have to go to. Or, I mean, yeah. Laurent Duvernay Tardif was elevated from the practice squad. I know he's an interior player, but I mean, at this point, we've used interior players on a tackle before in AVT and it worked. Um Not saying it should, it should be the, 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 uh, the fix, but I mean, it's, this is something that, certainly could derail the playoff push. And it makes me nervous that going up against these teams like um, Buffalo, Miami, even Detroit with Aiden Hutchinson down the stretch. I don't think Seattle has many edge guys um, that really intimidate you, but you're playing teams that have good edge presences down the stretch. And when you're in almost must-win situations, it's almost playoff territory every single week, having your bookend tackles, one slight injury, and you got a guy who's resting every single week, uh, Wednesday and Thursday in a, a shoulder rehab program. So you're already walking a thin line with Dwayne Brown. So Dwayne, George fan has put two stints on the injury report already this uh, year. So you're walking a thin line. I think the bills have what it takes to, you know, outmatch the tackle position. But at the same time, I think Mike White is, shown that he can get the ball out fast enough to mitigate the pass rush obviously that speaks more to your receivers and playmakers getting open and against this Bills secondary that is now way more healthy than it was when we saw them in week nine i believe they have jordan poyer and tredavius white back so they're getting healthy down the stretch it makes it very tough um I'll, I'll give my prediction i was completely wrong last week and i made made myself like an idiot thinking that we were going to hold the vikings to 10 points but um I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's another high-scoring game, 31-28. Uh, to 28. I'm going to go with the Bills winning. Um, I, the Bills are home. I mean, it's a tough place to play. Uh, Mike White, obviously, he struggled last year against them, and I'm not going to hold that against him this year. But I think until we see Mike White against this team, it's really hard to predict the Jets to win in this situation.
1: Yeah, I, I can't see how you can, you know, pick the Jets to win this week. Um, and you worry, you know, again – with uh with, with the i think i think mike white's gonna see a lot more pressure than he has in recent weeks you know maybe mm-hmm. you can offset. see again the thing is though and this is the good thing is that with zach wilson you couldn't offset that with a screen game because he couldn't throw a screen pass right um mike white again two weeks in a row we see it early you know early drives it's 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 crazy because it's such a simple thing right it's like the easiest pass a quarterback is going to throw and the difference between a back having to go out into the flat and then adjust his like that split second that he has to stop to slow down adjust that gives the defense an extra step to get there yep. but when it's mike white these guys don't break stride they just go out on the swing and the, the ball is just waiting for them when they get to their spot and it just hits them and they're just they can keep moving forward and it's a tiny thing but it's so it's the difference between no gain and an eight-yard gain you know what i mean yep. and if you're gonna if you want to go crazy and, and try to blitz and take advantage of the jets o-line I mean the the worrying thing is they might not have to blitz but if you know if you choose to go blitz heavy a, on a team like this you and especially you know with what we've seen with these backs can do with receivers out of the backfield mm-hmm. um I think that it's going to be you know it'll present some some opportunities for the jets but I still see the bills winning this one um I'm going to say you know I hope I'm wrong but I'm going to say 27-14 bills
0: oh okay so definitely a bigger margin of of victory for the bills there I mean, it's it's realistic. I mean, the Jets have so many question marks and you're going up against a perennial powerhouse now in Buffalo. And they've now overtaken the number one seed thanks to uh, Cincinnati beating the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a bad thing for the Jets' playoff hopes. Um, and as you mentioned at the top, um, I don't think the Chargers or the... Patriots or the Raiders are really threatening to take that seventh seed, but it's always something to watch because if the Jets continue to slide and lose these games, it's not going to be easy to continue right. having that game advantage, and you, you don't have the tiebreaker against New England, so it's really New England that you're watching, um, and then I, I mentioned the Chargers. So, that that's going to do it for the Bills um, preview. I mean, unless you had anything else, we can move on to the draft. I um I didn't I wasn't able to save your videos that you sent me unless you're able to pull them up real quick while I'm talking about my guys, but I don't have the uh, video to
1: be play. able. <clears throat> excuse me. I should be able to just, I'll mm-hmm. only be able to pull up one, the hall sack from last year against okay. uh, Neil.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with, um, I watched two edge guys this weekend. Um, Derek Hall from Auburn, both are senior bowl guys. I feel like at this point, I'm only going to be watching senior bowl guys because they're the first ones that I'm going to get exposed to in February in the draft process. Okay, cool. You sent it here. Let me add it to the stream. And the first guy I watched was Auburn um, edge defender Derek Hall. You see him right here against Alabama, coming around the left tackle and taking down Bryce Young um, in the fourth quarter of a ten nothing ball game. If you can see the bottom of the screen there, um, Auburn was in a situation where they had to, you know, put away uh, Alabama, and they kind of rely on Derek Hall in these moments um he's a stand-up outside linebacker but sometimes they do stack him over the guard he might play a little bit of inside it's very rare but they do move him around a little bit um he drops into coverage again very rare he's more of a pass rush guy i watched him against penn state missouri and um old miss so against penn state i saw him against left tackle olu fashanu a guy that i've um highlighted already on this show and he he gave olu fashanu a couple fits i believe he had um one and a half sacks or two full sacks against Fashanu, a couple good pressures. So he, he did really good against what I think is top tier tackle talent. That, I mean, he's going back to school, but Fashanu was looked at as one of the top tackle talents in the draft if he had declared. Um, just super long. Um, he has a really good long arm move that he used against the left tackle of, of Missouri for a sack. Um, he has good swipe and shed against left tackle, uh, the, the left tackle for Missouri again for another big tackle for loss. So Derek Hall is somebody that I'm really interested to dive more in. I've only gotten three games in. Um, but the other edge guy I have, another Clemson guy, it's funny, I've, I feel like I've mentioned every guy on the Clemson defense at this point this season, at least on their defensive line, uh, Brian Brzee. I think I might have mentioned Tyler Davis, um, Miles Murphy, I talked about uh, all of their backers, some of their uh, secondary members, but KJ Henry, another edge defender for them, 6'4", 260, um, a long pass rusher with really good instincts. He's a stand-up or hand-in-the-dirt five tech. So to me that says more of a 4'3", defensive end with his – His size and measurables and his length, I think he's more of a 4-3 DN than a 3-4 outside linebacker. Uh, He had a good dip and rip move, a nice two-handed swipe, a really good spin against NC State. Um, And this is NC State from this year, not last year, so it was not against Ikea Kwanu. Um, But by the third game of KJ Henry, the first thing I wrote in my notes against South Carolina was situational pass rusher with a question mark. I'm not sure if he's um, going to be somebody that's going to give you presence on all three phases or all three downs of defense you know including the run game um he can make plays and against for clemson he did do well against the run but that's not to say he can do it at the nfl level consistently um he is a senior bull guy so i'm very excited to see if he is able to improve his stock a bit um as as well as Derek hall so the edge rushers seem to always have an advantage in the one-on-ones versus o-line and d-line at the senior bowl so those two guys are guys that I'm definitely watching.
1: Uh, who, who you got over there? Gun? Uh I don't know if that clip came through yet. That's KJ Henry. Oh, you um, got one for Henry? Henry. Oh, okay. Yeah, perfect. I, I didn't realize I had it. Yeah, here we go. KJ
0: Henry's number five. Yep, there he is. Oh, this is the NC State game. Okay, yep. Nice tackle for loss.
1: Yeah, as you were saying it, I was like, I think that's the actual clip I have on him. Um, yep.
0: Yep. This I believe I
1: wrote this down in
0: my notes too. Yep, this is... Uh, this is one of the plays i believe he yep he takes out the sniffer yep yep that's the play kj henry i feel like even though they have so much talent on the defensive line kj henry stop is somebody that is going to get his name out there in the draft process and mobile is going to be the first start for him to just increase his stock there
1: Uh yeah so i'm only going to uh mention one guy today uh okay. we are you know we're, we're we're up against time but yep not a big deal. Um, another guy. He's he's actually uh he's accepted his Senior Bowl invite, number sixty four. Um, offensive lineman for for Ole Miss, Nick Brocker. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I first noticed last year. I, I can't remember if you and I discussed him briefly. Um, I thought I may have sent you a couple of shots on him, but um, you see him. You can see slam the uh, slam the uh, the the D lineman to the turf on that play. He's a really physical guy, moves well, and uh, he's got a ton of experience there. So. I'm, uh, I'm excited. He's one of these, these linemen that I'm excited to watch. And again, having mentioned earlier, the fact that the jets are probably going to be in a position where they're going to be drafting, you know, at least one offensive lineman. Um, Brocker is a guy to look out for, um, oh Miss, man. They just, uh, okay. I didn't, okay. Um, I didn't realize that, um, the, the sharing thing we'll, we'll discuss that offline, but yeah, Brocker's my guy for this week. Unfortunately, not a lot of football games left to watch these guys, but, that's what uh, that's what YouTube's for, and those of us who are a little bit obsessed with the draft will be watching many, many, many hours of college football between now and the start of the uh, or between now and the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love this big gap between now and and the bowl games because it really gives you uh, a a moment to collect yourself, get a couple players watched before you know the big you know top dogs really face off in the the college football playoffs. And, and I'm doing this live on the air first time. I have not checked Tankathon. I have no idea where the Jets pick. I obviously know they're in the playoffs. But I, I think the other day, I
1: think it's 22.
0: Yeah, okay. So according yeah. to Tankathon, they are picking 22nd in the draft. And all the guys that I think we mentioned there, I mean, maybe some uh, KJ Henry, possibly not. But Derek Hall, absolutely a back end of the first round type player broker i'm not sure if he's gonna get his yeah, name up there or not run, but yeah, yeah yeah i don't think he will but offensive line in general um the guy from florida i'm blanking on it i talked about torrance he could be a guy to talk about at the end of I the first round torrance. so yeah, yeah yeah so so these guys offensive line is going to be a position that the jets defensive line as well we brought trench players like this is joe douglas and rob Saw's bread and butter if they don't take these guys within the first four rounds i would be surprised at yeah. least at the positions obviously not our guys but to, to take an edge rusher to supplement what you have, you can never have enough. And I think Carl Lawson's been too hit or miss to solidify him as your true first pass rusher. You're going to need more ammo in that arsenal and an offensive line. We've seen it. They've been back up against the wall for all season with offensive line rotations. So great call by you to, to bring him to the table. And, and that's gonna do it for our show. I know we went a little bit over because we started a little late. Thank you, uh, everybody for being patient with our technical difficulties um for for glenn you can follow him on, on twitter at acefan 23 um you can also follow his draft account that he's launching he'll be posting plenty of uh clips on all these players all the clips that you see us post up here he'll definitely post on twitter at jets Picks at jets p-i-c-k-s definitely give that one a follow We're we're gonna be really excited to Pump out all that content for for yeah. draft specific things, and we'll give it a Jets flair, obviously, because that's what yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's
1: gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be shooting out guys who I know the Jets have no interest in taking, but it's just about guys, that, you know, as, as I watch games, guys that jump out and that are yep. impressive, or guys that make the news for one reason or another. I, you know, I've hopefully build up a big enough database that I'll have most college players covered, and I'll have a few of their, you know, better plays ready to pull and shoot out when as they as they become noteworthy.
0: Exactly. And I'd be surprised if, you know, maybe the sixth or seventh round guys, but through the fifth round, I feel confident that if the Jets took almost any player at this point, you have a clip on him. So they will definitely find their way to Twitter via the Jets picks account. Uh, you can follow me at D Terriman on Twitter. Um, obviously I don't know who they're playing, but let's root against the Chargers, let's root against the, the Patriots. Obviously, the Dolphins they lost to the 49ers and Brock Purdy, but I think they have a easier game this week, but we still got to root for them to lose. Let's go. We got to beat the Bills. We got to sweep them for the first time since I believe 2016. So a lot of good things could come out of this. Obviously, it's not the end of the world if they lose, but it, a, a big game coming up for the Jets here. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate all your live comments. We we really appreciate it. We're definitely going to do another fan mailbag toward the end of the season here, maybe even a playoff mailbag. So and okay, probably gets
1: probably get a little more interactive once we're doing draft stuff cuz people have a lot of thoughts on the draft. Oh yeah, and
0: everybody's you know their draft takes are always going to pull us in different directions where oh somebody says O line, somebody says safety and we're just going to it's going to be great from that yeah. from that perspective. So thanks again for everybody for tuning in and until next time, let's go Jets.